Well, man, we are so excited to have you guys worship with us tonight. I'm excited to, uh, man, I just feel like it's a real treat tonight because um, a lot of times whenever um, I'm in town, you know, I don't always get to sit and receive. And, and I'm so excited tonight because one of my closest friends, Brother Ben Watts, is going to be bringing the word tonight. And I want, to, I want to tell you guys something. You know, this thing goes all the way back to, you know, over seven years ago, Ben and I and Tony um, got hijacked by the Holy Spirit. We thought we were just eating Mexican food. <laughs> and the queso got real thick, man. It was like, oh, Lord, what just happened? I mean, it was just the, the, the Lord seriously wrecked us, um, you know, over seven years ago, sitting in a booth at a Mexican restaurant. And we just thought we were catching up and getting to know each other a little deeper. And, uh, but, you know, what we didn't realize was God was marking us for a destiny. And um, he's been one of our closest friends and, and intercessors and, and a man who I, I look to. He speaks into my life. Um, the words from that the Lord has spoken through him um, have totally uh, protected our families at times. As you know, as we've been on this journey for six and a half years living here in Pensacola, uh, let me tell you something. If, if you want to get to where God's really called you to be, get the right friends in your life. That's why this guy's in my life. He's the right kind of friend. And so uh, I'm excited. His mom and dad are in town and, and getting to visit with him. So I'm so excited to have them. Would you guys welcome his parents uh, to be here with us tonight? Ben, why don't you come on up, man? Come and bring what God's put in your heart. Would you guys stretch your hands out to Pastor Ben, as he comes, I want to bless him in prayer over him. God, we just thank you right now for what you do, what only you can do. Lord, I just thank you, God, for using this man, God, like a scalpel tonight. God, I just thank you that you would just use the, the word that you put in him to shape our destiny tonight, God. God, we just turn him loose, God, like a cannon, God, just to punch a hole into our heart and our life tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Do it, man. I love you, brother. Love it too. It's an awesome man of God. Oh. Father, I thank you that your word is like a two-edged sword. It pierces the deepest places that we even hide here. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, I thank you for the true spirit of prophecy that puts the spotlight on Jesus. And Jesus, you want your bride. So come here tonight and make her clean. Every spot and every wrinkle. We want to look into your eyes and become who you see us to be. What you created us for. We don't want anything less. Religion is the soul's attempt to be spiritual. Let me say that again. Religion is the soul's attempt to be spiritual. It doesn't work. How do you get the attention of somebody whose eyes are already fixed on you? How do you convince someone to be in love with you who's already infatuated? 
How do you earn the favor of somebody who's already rolled out the red carpet? You can't. There's nothing you can do. Father, I thank you for your presence. I just can't move past right here. God, I don't want to just talk. And we miss it. I don't want to just hit the gas pedal and blow right past, Father, what you want to do in this moment. Father, reveal your love. Paul said, after all the gifts of the Spirit, he talked about the gifts of laying on of hands and prophecy and words of knowledge and gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. He said, but I show you a more excellent way. And he said that the more excellent way was love. But I don't think that we really believe that. Because we spend most of our life asking God for his gifts and asking him for all kinds of things, but when was the last time we just asked him for his love? It feels like it's not enough. Caitlin, the father's about to light the tip of the arrow of your heart on fire and he's going to shoot you out and you're going to go over the borders of this nation like a, brain, like a flaming torch, like a firebrand. I want you guys to stretch your hand towards her right now. Father, I thank you for releasing this daughter. You're not overlooked. The father has heard every deep cry of your heart. He has your number and he's calling you. <laughs> father, I thank you that there will be, nothing will be lost of this girl's destiny. The enemy has tried to sap your strength and he's tried to steal from you but the Father is going to light you up and nothing will be lost. Thank you, Jesus. Libby. Jesus said the kingdom is like a farmer who goes out to sow his seed in a field. And then after he sows his seed, he covers it up and he goes back in the house and he goes to sleep. And then he wakes up the next day and he comes out and he looks at it. And then he goes back and he goes to sleep. And he comes back out and he looks at it and he goes back and he goes to sleep. And that seed grows without him doing anything. There's nothing the farmer can do once he puts the seed in the ground. Now what I saw was the father riding on the tractor of your heart, plowing every row just faithfully from sunup to sundown. And you know what that's like. And his eye never closes over your life. He never sleeps or slumbers. He never gets tired. And he has plowed in your heart. And here's what I see the father doing. I see him dropping the kingdom seed in your heart in this season. And he's going to make it come up. You can't do it. You can't make it, make it happen. What he's told you, you can't make it happen. He's going to make it happen. Stretch your hands towards Libby. I declare over you, Libby, there will be no crop failure. Yeah. 
accuser, take your hands off of her heart, off her destiny. Every seed that the Father has planted in your heart, Livy, will come up. And what he's shown you will come to pass. You are faithful, Father, to perform every word that you've spoken. God, I ask you to rest over your daughter. Give her a season of complete and total rest. Finish the work of rest in her heart. Show her what it looks like to tuck under the arms of a daddy. Be completely surrounded and provided and protected and kept. Father, I thank you that you watch over every fruit and vegetable, every grain, and you give her a hundredfold return. Hundredfold return, Father, for every seed. Send her to the nations, Father, and everything that you've given her, I pray she would give away. And what she sows in the hearts of men and women would come up. And like Samuel the prophet, you would not let a single word of hers fall to the ground. The word of the Lord will not be rare in your day, Libby. The word of the Lord will be strong. It will be plenty. Bumper crop of the word of the Lord in your life. God, I thank you for the feet of an evangelist who go all around the earth, but first with prayer, first in intercession. Libby, the Lord's going to take you to nations in your heart first. He's going to take you to nations on your knees. And you're going to win them first in the secret place. So don't think it's strange when everybody in the house hears you at 3 o'clock in the morning. And don't get quiet. They'll understand. The Father's going to give you his burden for nations. So don't think it's strange when at 2, 3 in the morning you're not asleep. Because you're winning nations on your knees first. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Arnie's message last week and last two, three weeks, I want to kind of loop back onto some things that he said. We're talking about engaging culture. And, you know, a couple of the things that I kind of pulled out of the things that he's been covering are this. We're either going to walk in fear or we're going to walk in faith. If you're preparing for a war, you're walking in fear. If, if you think that we're on the line of a cultural battle, you're in fear and you're going to lose. But if you're preparing to engage a harvest, you're going to win. You're walking in faith. How you see what's going on reveals whether you're in fear or in faith. I get preparation. I get it. But even the disciples were unable after walking with Jesus for years to see that the fields were white for harvest. Why? Because they were looking through the eyes of fear and they were looking through the eyes of their own soul. They weren't looking through the eyes of faith or love and they didn't have the kingdom, the kingdom heart yet, but they were getting it. This is not so much a war with people. We do fight a war. But the people are the harvest, not the enemy. We're engaging a harvest. You know, when people run at you because they hate you, the knee-jerk reaction is to pull back in fear because people are running at you. When the reality is, you're the wide open door for the kingdom. It should be, come on. Yeah. 
That's what, that's what Stephen did. It's, they said, it says that, and they did it to Jesus. It says that the, the religious leaders, the people of his day were so furious, so angry because of what he was walking in that they rushed at him to kill him. That's what they did to Jesus. Stephen didn't run. He was like David facing Goliath. He ran at him. You're the open door. Do you know who was in the crowd when Stephen was stoned? Yeah. <laughs> Stephen opened the door wide because of the way he died for Saul to come into the kingdom and be renamed Paul and go to the Gentile world and set the whole Gentile world on fire. It's okay to put extra gas in the, in, the, in the garage and lots of stacks of water bottles because this is hurricane country. So if nothing else, you'll probably use it every couple of few years anyways. But don't do it in fear. You don't get orange juice without squeezing a few oranges. Oranges taste best when they're squeezed. They look good, but they taste even better when you squeeze them. Our faith was made for pressure. We were made for this. That's what we're made for. Here's the difference. If you are operating out of your soul, it's going to freak you out. But if you're operating out of the spirit, and that doesn't happen because you fell on the floor here, If you're operating out of your spirit because you are walking with Jesus in love with him, eyes locked, day in and day out, without separating your life, that when I come to P-Hop or when I go to Liberty or when I go here where I go there on Sunday morning or Sunday night, that's, that's the spiritual part of my life. And then I go home and I wake up and go to work and that's the secular part of my life. Guess what? You're going you're gonna to feed your soul most of the week. And then you're going to come here and your spirit's going to get a little nibble. And then you're going to go home and you're going to feast on all kinds of stuff. You're going to feast on Facebook and you're going to feast on cable. You're going to feast on Netflix. You're going to feast on what's coming over the internet. You're going to feast on talking on the phone with a friend for hours. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> right? Maybe God's saying something here. Here's what I'm asking the Father to do. And I want every businessman, every entrepreneur to stand up. If you're a business owner, if you work in a corporate office, if you run a business, I want you to stand up. You guys stretch your hands towards these. Your business is your harvest, it's your field. But Father, right now, we break down the wall of division between secular and sacred. And Father, we commission our brothers and sisters right now to take the fire of the Holy Spirit where they work with all tenderness, with, with gentleness, with patience. Oh God, we ask you right now to fill them with your Holy Spirit fire. Fill them with creativity right now, God. Release them at a greater level tonight into their harvest field. God, I pray tonight that you would awaken their spirit Monday through Saturday, awaken their spirit. Father, I pray that, that they would see the secretary with new eyes, with clean eyes, not, not according to, 
to how late she is or her bitterness, not according to what she said or, or how she underperformed. God, I just ask you right now to show every business leader standing in this room your heart and how you see the people that work for them, that they work with their clients. Father, I ask you to release seed through them all week. Release kingdom truth through them. Release your love through them. Father, I ask you for witty inventions for ideas that will change this city. God, I ask you for solutions to financial crisis in this city. Father, I ask you for solutions to product problems in this city. Process development problems in this city. God, I ask for solutions and wisdom from heaven. In Jesus' name. You guys can sit down. If you're a teacher or if you're in the, in the education system, public, private, or homeschool, doesn't matter. Stand up. Stretch your hands out to these guys. Father, I thank you right now for our, for our teachers. I thank you for men and women who sow tirelessly in secret to sow into young minds and hearts. God, I thank you for administrators and faculty who sow into their fellow teachers and encourage them day in and day out. Father, I ask you right now to impart your spirit for this next season to them. God, I ask you to lift up their weary hands and weary feet that you would make all things new, breathe new life into them right now, Holy Spirit. We commission you into your harvest field. Father, I ask you to open their eyes, open their eyes to see how big the field is. God, I ask you for uncanny favor that students and teachers and administrators would be drawn to them, that principals, that board members would be drawn to them, that they would have favor. We release the favor of God over their lives in the education system in this city right now. Father, I pray you would show them how to walk in the spirit at a greater level. God, I ask you for signs, wonders, and miracles in the classroom. God, I ask you for revival in our education system. God, if 12 disciples could set the world ablaze, if 120 could set the entire world ablaze, then what could we do right here in our education system in a single city? Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Give us new eyes to see our students. Give us new eyes to see the principal that just will not back off, that will not provide the funding that will not do things the way that we know it should be done. God, give us new eyes to intercede and be broken for the lost, even if they're annoying or hard, even if it's painful. Jesus, Jesus, send out apostles from this room into our education system. Some of you teachers think that the, the fivefold is right here in this room or it's, it's in other churches. No, no, that's you. You're a pastor to your, to your students. You're an evangelist to the board members. You're an agent of change. You set the environment like an apostle would at your school. Did you know you have authority over that campus that no arrow will fly in and destroy lives? Did you know you have authority over guns in schools, over terror in our classrooms? Jesus said, every, every place the sole of your feet walk on, that's yours. You have the authority to release peace into your school. God, we, we tear down terror 
in our schools. And I thank you, Father, for agents of peace right now that enter into our school system. I thank you for authority right now that breaks open in each one of these teachers, faculty, administrators. I don't even care if you're a janitor in the school. It doesn't matter. That is your property. It's the property of the king because you're there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can sit down. If you're an artist, if you're a musician, if you paint, I don't even care if you get paid for it or not, but if you're an artist or a musician, stand up. Even if you're in training and that's your calling, just stand up. (laughs) Mm. Stretch your hands out. You guys don't get weary here. We're doing business. We're in the courtroom of heaven and we're doing business. Come on. If you have to stir yourself up, do it. God, I thank you for the anointing of David. The oil of joy that breaks the yoke of sadness over our generation. The noise of heaven, the symphony of heaven to flow through your sons and your daughters right now. I thank you for the breath of inspiration that flows through your sons and your daughters. Stay with me here. I heard a joke. What does a musician and a large pepperoni pizza have in common? (laughs) They don't feed a family of five. You know what? That's a joke, but people say it. I don't want to break that over your life right now. God's going to release kingdom finances to you as an artist and a musician. We break the silly curses that our generation has put on our artists and musicians right now. You are not overlooked. And just because you paint in your bedroom till four o'clock in the morning, Jesus is there and he sees it. And it's an expression of his heart and he wants to fling it out like seed. Father, I ask you right now for lyrics, for artistry that is beyond what we're even capable of. God, I thank you for this friend of mine, this surgeon who found a new procedure for laparoscopic surgery that he, that he saw in a dream and it made him millions. God, you release wisdom even in our sleep and we'll give you all the glory for it. God, I pray right now that you would root our artists and our musicians and our media professionals in character. I ask right now, Father, that they would have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. God, surround them with holiness in a culture that is eroding, where morality is eroding and the arts and and music is being claimed by the enemy. God, we ask you right now to surround our artists and musicians with holiness. God, surround them with your creative power. God, surround them with righteousness and life. I break the yoke of death. I break the accusation of death over every artist and musician in this room. And we declare our artists and musicians will not even have the thought of suicide, will not even have the thought of despair, no thoughts of depression. We break depression off of our artists and musicians. 
Look at me, each and every one of you. You will flow with the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your art and in your music. It doesn't matter if you're making paper mache statues. I see somebody like making paper mache like stuff. Whatever you're doing, the Holy Spirit wants to use it. It doesn't matter if you just got started, you've been doing it for 20, 30 years. He wants to fling it out. And he, don't get weary. Don't get weary in your craft. Just work on it. David was, was put before the king, King Saul, because he was skilled. And when he played, demons ran. And you know what's crazy is the demons had a right to be there. Because actually the spirit that troubled Saul was put there by God. But that demon would flee when David played. God, I thank you for the authority of heaven that flows through our musicians and our artists. That with every stroke of a brush, your anointing moves. I feel like there's some of you that you know what God's put in your heart, but somebody has said to you, that's no good. Maybe even a parent has said to you, that's, that's just no good. I break that over you in Jesus' name. Whew. Who's the name of the, the guy that we were talking about? Mom, the piano player, Andre Crouch. <laughs> I thank you, God, for the anointing of Andre Crouch. Do you guys know that he didn't even know how to play the piano and his father prophesied over him in a small little Baptist church in the middle of nowhere? And he got up off out of his chair as like a 10, 11 year old boy. He went to the piano and played a few notes. And then he began to play perfectly. Wow. He wrote some of his most well-known songs at the age of 12 and 13 and 14. Some of them he even threw in the trash because he thought they weren't any good, but his sister pulled him out of the trash and she saved him. Now the whole world gets to hear about the blood of Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you for that same anointing that's released over our artists, our craftsmen. God, make them skilled. Father, I pray that your anointing would come into their dorm rooms and their apartment rooms, their bedrooms, their kitchens when they play, Lord. Even with the clutter and the mess around them, I ask you, Father, to just surround them with your presence. In Jesus' name, let it, even if they're playing jazz or, or, or punk or folk, God, even if they're painting just random abstract stuff, God, your anointing come into it. In Jesus' name, you guys can sit down. I want every craftsman, every skilled laborer, if you cut wood, if you, if you cut metal, if you weld, I want you to stand up. Plumbing, electrical, HVAC, whatever it is, if you install stuff in people's homes, if you're a home builder, stretch your hands out to our craftsmen. If you lay tile, if you install bathtubs, if you're in people's homes, and you're doing work on their homes. If you're working in corporate offices, installing windows, it doesn't matter if you're a, a craftsman, a skilled laborer, I want you to stand up. Father, I thank you for our craftsmen. Father, I thank you for the anointing like the men of old who built the ark. You gave them wisdom to beat gold and weave cloth. You gave men wisdom to lay tile, to cut stone. God, you gave them ways to do things that were fast and efficient, that were quick. God, you gave them ways to do their craft that was skilled and that was full of the anointing. God, I thank you for our laborers. Lord, keep them. Surround them so that their feet don't even stub against a stone. God, when they're up on scaffolding, when they're up on ladders, we just thank you for your protection. And God, when they're in homes, I ask you to open their eyes 
to the harvest that's all around them. God, that they would give a word in due season when they're at a restaurant working with other laborers and other groups and teams that have been called in to hang drywall or or lay tile. God, I thank you for a word in due season that will save a soul. The scripture says, he who wins souls is wise. And I declare over our craftsmen that you are wise sons and daughters. You are wise sons and daughters who know how to win souls, how to release a word in due time, apples of gold and settings of silver, that the words of your mouth are choice and that your lifestyle is choice. Father, I thank you that even in the dark corners of a building, their lifestyle will be choice gold. Father, I ask ask you to purify our laborers. God, that their labor would be unto you, not to please people, but unto you. Father, increase them, increase their pay, and increase favor in their lives. I feel like there's one of you that has a dream of owning his own business. You have a craft and you have a dream. The Father says, it's not silly and it's not impossible. And he wants to do it. He wants to give you that, that he put in your heart. It's not just from you. He put that in your heart. So Father, I thank you for that dream. And I just thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that you breathe life into it, that no one would be able to squash that dream. But fulfill it, Lord. And walk them through it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can sit down. We're called to walk this out. I have a whole teaching here on like all the the scriptures of all this. And you know what? I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, no, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Page two. Don't you got, do you have scriptures back there? Okay. First Corinthians, turn to first Corinthians two, one through 13. God, thank you for uncanny wisdom by the Spirit right now. I'll release it. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 13. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling, and my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. What was Paul saying to the Corinthian church? I didn't come to appeal to your soul. I did not come to appeal to your soul or to tickle your ears or to fascinate your brain. And Paul was able. He was capable. If you read some of his letters, they're so complex. I had a friend, Kim Smith, who's an attorney now. And she talks about how her professor, her law, one of her law professors at Regent University used to, used to uh, use parts of Romans as a formula for legal like legal logic and how to present a case and how to win. And it's actually popular in that arena, as I understand it. Paul's letters are so well written and the logic is so tight that attorneys use it to train with. (laughs) 2,000 years later, that's pretty stout. 
that just to give you a clue, Paul trained under the best of the best of the Pharisees, Gamaliel. Dude was a rock star with hair coming down. <laughs> Didn't look like a rock star. The dude was a rock star. It was awesome. Paul could do it. But here's what he said he relied on. Here was Paul's strength. When he ministered, when he did his craft, here's what he depended on. Not his ability, not his natural ability. He said, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that, why? Why not appeal to people's soul? Why not do whatever it takes to win somebody? Why not? Whatever it takes to win somebody. Because if I argue you into the kingdom, somebody else can argue you out. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden, right? That's wisdom from the Spirit, not worldly wisdom. God has destined this for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. They were dominated by their soul. See, the rulers of the age that were, when Jesus was alive on the earth were religious leaders who actually had on their, at their fingertips all of the prophecies that talked about Jesus. So they should have been able to put two and two together. They even knew that he would be born in, Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. When Herod asked the, the rulers of the age, where is he going to be born? Where is this next king going to be born? They said, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. We know the scriptures say it. They had what we call barbershop theology. Arnie's the only man in this room besides my dad that I'm comfortable doing this to. So I'm going <laughs> to, what does a barber do? I'm going to mess your hair up, bro. Oh, man, come on. <laughs> I'll put it back, kind of. What does a barber do? They touch you right here, don't they? Did you know that that's like one of the most intimate places you can touch someone? Sorry. <laughs> I can do it because I'm preaching and I have the mic. I never in any other circumstance. It's like, it's like standing on the other side of the fence from the ape, the gorilla in the zoo. He can't get you. <laughs> if, we, if we were in the wild, he would, you would take me out. A barber touches, touches you in the most intimate place that you can be touched right here. Researchers say this, this right here is the most intimate place. You can be touched, and a barber does that all day long. And you know what? They don't care anything about you. I hope this guy tips me, right? There's no intimacy at all while they're touching in the most intimate place possible. Guess what? That's what we do sometimes with, with this, with the Word. We, we can come in here and be in the most intimate place possible. We can be in the Scriptures and we can even be talking about God. Jesus said there was going to be people who would come into to the kingdom and say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. And we knew the scriptures and we had it memorized. And we went to church every Sunday. And what's he going to say? Hey, barber, you cut my hair. Well, she didn't know who I was. Revelation, wisdom, insight by the spirit, not the soul. 
If you have taste buds, raise your, raise your hand. You've got taste buds. Some of you can't taste your food, so you didn't even raise your hand, I guess. You have taste buds. Do your taste buds determine what you eat? We talked about this last time. Do your taste buds determine what you eat? Sometimes. But if they determine what you eat all the time, what would happen? You'd, I'm going to be nice and just say you would be unhealthy. <laughs> right? It's true. You would be unhealthy. If my kids ate according to their taste buds, their teeth would all fall out and I would be poor. It's, right? You and I, everybody knows, even the world knows that your soul has to dominate and govern your flesh. Even the world, like Katie and I are doing this exercise thing with Sean T, T for T25, and 25 minutes a day, five days a week, and I'm going to have ripped abs in 10 months, and that's it. You will never see them, but they will be ripped. Even the world, even Sean T knows that his soul has to govern his body or he's not going to live long. But they don't make the next jump. And the next jump is that God made us to live by the Spirit. That's how Adam and Eve lived in the garden. Every day, the Father would come. He'd manifest his presence. It's not that he wasn't there, but he would manifest his presence. I don't know what he looked like. But he would walk and talk with Adam and Eve, and he would share his thoughts so much higher than theirs, and they would just have their minds blown, and they would walk around and just listen and ask questions, and they would just drink all, day, all evening long. And then when his manifest presence would dissipate, they'd go lay out under the stars and stay awake for hours, and they'd just talk about, whoa, when he said that. Oh my gosh. Right? And then they'd go to sleep for a few hours and they'd wake up and Adam would tap Eve. Guess what? I just realized that when he said this, he meant this. Oh my gosh, we got to go try this today. And they lived like just enveloped in the word of God and in the revelation of the Holy Spirit and they didn't even think about anything else except, I mean, if you could talk with God in person every day, what else would you even think about? You'd just be tripping all day long. You wouldn't get any work done. You'd be no good. It's probably good that he doesn't do that sometimes. But what if he, what if he did? What if he does? What would it be like to just sit under the flow of the revelation of Jesus? <laughs> verse 11, actually verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. That's our soul. It's not flesh driven. But we've received the spirit who is from God so that, why? 
we can understand what God has freely given us, and that's in Christ. Everything that Christ died to give you, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. How many of you are experiencing the fullness of everything Christ died to give you? How many of you even know what your legal rights are? Hey, you know, there were, there were soldiers who lived on islands after the war was over. I'm sure this is happening in lots of different war, wars where there's no communication and they still, still think they're fighting a war. They might even think they're losing it. And the, and the, the, the peace treaty was already signed and everybody went home. And they're still sitting there with their gun and they're sitting in a foxhole like waiting for orders. They don't even know. There's a lot of people in the world like that that have no clue that sin and death have already been defeated. But there's a lot of Christians who have no clue what Jesus died to give them because they, they didn't grow up with this and maybe they haven't read it and they don't understand. And that's what we're called to do. But there's some of you in this room who, who don't even have, you, you haven't broken into it yet or you've tried to. Religion is one of the ways that we try to do it through our soul. Religion is when you and I try through our soul to obtain what Jesus Christ already died for. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say, it's halfway done. He didn't say, Father, we're almost there. He said, it's finished. It's interesting, he didn't even say that when he came out of the tomb. He said it on the cross right before he died. It was already done. But then in resurrection power, he came out of the tomb. And here's the, here's the wild thing. There's no other religion in the world that says that their God is right here right now and can demonstrate what he can do. Jesus, this is, this is the thing about being a follower of Jesus. This is what's different, makes Christianity and following Jesus different than any other religion. It's not just grace, although that's, grace makes Christianity different than any other religion. Sacrifice makes Christianity different than any other religion. You'll never find sacrifice like you'll find in Jesus. You'll never find grace like you'll find in Jesus. It's karma. It's, you got to earn it but it's a resurrected savior who's here now. He came in the flesh, he's here and he loves you and he wants to take you home. And he can actually show up and put up. So that's what Paul said. He said, I don't just come tickling your brain with information about God. I don't have barbershop theology. I come to demonstrate the power of God. When somebody walks in here they should, and they don't know Jesus, they should have their mail completely read. And they do. Some of you are a product of that. Some of you walked in here, had your mail read, met Jesus. He demonstrated his love for you, and you're still here. That's why you're here. And you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Here's the big idea. Let me, let me wrap up. Let me sum up what we're talking about. When we engage culture by the Spirit of God, we dispel darkness with light. That's power. That's power when you go in and flip the lights on and darkness leaves, right? 
That's power. But when we engage culture from our own souls, the best we can do is try to describe the light that people lost in darkness. That's all you can do. Just describe the light. That's like trying to describe water to a thirsty man. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like handing a drowning... Religion is like handing a drowning man a book on how to swim. I don't... I need a book on how to swim. I need somebody to reach in and pull me out. That's power. That's demonstration. What happens in our inner man, this is something that Mike Bickle, I was kind of reading through some of his stuff this morning and I read this and I've added some of my own stuff to it. I'm not quoting him exactly, but I just want to point to source. What happens in our inner man determines the quality of our intimacy with Jesus. Our spirit man is eternal and the most important aspect of our lives, yet it is usually the most neglected. And here's what I added. It's neglected because of wounds, offenses, distractions, worry and anxiety, selfish ambitions, and the list could go on. Right? Jesus talked about four types of soil. There was the hard ground that couldn't even receive the truth. And the birds came and snatched it away. There was stony soil. And after the seed was sown, there was so little dirt over the rocks that it couldn't even get much root. And it was totally scorched and withered. And I, I think personally, that's kind of like offenses. Those stones are below the surface. You don't see them. It's like wounds and hurts from the past bitterness that you hold on to and you put a smile on your face, but your heart is grieving or angry or enraged. Proverbs says, you know, you can, or Ecclesiastes, you can smile and your heart be sad and you can, you can be kind of sober and your heart be like totally busting at the seams. It's real tough to know, but those stones can be there. And when you're full of that stuff, when you're full of bitterness because of what someone, somebody that you really cared about and loved a long time ago hurt you, abused you, stole from you, manipulated you. It's real hard to let the kingdom go deep into your heart. It never can get past that offense. It can't get past the unforgiveness, the bitterness. And you try to, you try to earn a sense of love with God. You want him to love you because you wanted that parent to love you and they wouldn't. And it's hard, it's hard for God to be able to communicate. And he's good. He's got a thousand ways of communicating his love. And I think it's still difficult for him sometimes because we, we have so much that we hold on to that we don't want to let go of because we're not convinced. If the dad that I trusted and loved wouldn't love me back, if the mom that I, that I wanted to love me wouldn't love me, then why would God love me? If they were not faithful to me and left me out, then why would God take me in? And your heart feels that way. Your brain agrees with what Pastor Arnie preaches here, but your heart struggles to agree. And so whatever he says or whatever somebody says, or you listen to a podcast or you go to another church and you soak it in and then you go home and, and it just, it won't bear fruit. It won't grow up. It's hard to believe. And then there's, there's the thorny ground. There's, the seed gets sown and it starts to come up. 
and it's looking promising, but then these thorns called worries and anxieties and distractions of life come in and choke it out before it ever has a chance to bear fruit. And what does that mean? Let's say you come through a season of healing and you, you get a lot of that unforgiveness out, but you get busy and God prospers your business or you start to, to develop new friendships that are awesome. And then all of a sudden you get wrapped up in a whole world of things that don't have anything to do with God and you don't bring God into it and you live out of your soul and you get anxious and you get worried about the money you do have and you try to earn more. It's hard for the word to, to root in that kind of soil because it's hard for the plant to really grow up and mature and take shape and it can't bear fruit because it's just being choked out all the time. You live most of the week in, in your soul, not from your spirit because of the distractions. Years ago, when we were starting this journey here, it wasn't a dream, it was a vision, not like, not like a TV screen, but I remember closing my eyes, I think it was at work, I'm sitting there working and all of a sudden it was like the Holy Spirit tap, 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 and then poof, the, the movie started. And I'm sitting there with my eyes closed watching this develop. So do this, do this real quick, try this, close your eyes. Just see this with me. So I'm looking down on a hospital and it's like the roof moves away and I look in to the hospital and I see this scene unfolding in front of my eyes and the camera's just kind of zooming into this one specific room of the hospital. There's one light on, on the side table and there's a woman in a hospital gown and she's in this pretty dark room walking back and forth at the foot of the bed. She's walking back and forth. She's pacing. And she's got like an IV in her arm. And I, I see the tube running from the IV filled with, with this liquid. And it's connected to the back of a little TV. And she's holding the TV in her hands. And it's like two inches from her face. And you can see the flicker of the screen on her face. And her eyes are wide open. She never blinks. She's totally sucked into the story. It was a soap opera of some kind. I'm not picking on women. I'm just saying that's what it was. And she's totally into this story of who, who betrayed who and who loves who and the surprise that's coming around the corner and, and who's gossiping about what. And she's completely in the story. And then all of a sudden she starts to get nauseous and she starts feeling weak. She gets sick. But she's like, I got to stick with this for just a few more seconds so I can figure out what's going to happen. And, and then bef right before she starts to throw up, she turns the TV off and she sets it on the side table and she lays down in the bed. And she's breathing really heavy because she's so nauseous. She lays there for a while, drinks a glass of water, takes a deep breath, and she starts to feel better. And she starts to think, what, what am I doing? Why am I, why do I do this? But then all of a sudden, as she's just thinking about just her life, the story pops back into her head and she thinks, oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm missing the story. I'm missing the plot. She grabs the TV. She turns it on. She holds it two inches from her face. Her eyes don't blink and she paces back and forth in front of the bed. And the liquid begins to flow again in her IV and she starts to feel nauseous. She starts to feel sick. So she turns it off. 
the liquid stops flowing and she goes and she lays down in the bed and this happens over and over and over and over. And I said, God, what are you showing me? And he said, Ben, this is, this is what I call my IV bride. We were watching a, a video, you know, your eyes are watching a video on uh, something on Facebook that one of Katie's friends sent over. It's a video showing these interviews with all these little kids and all these adults in separate interviews. And the ad- if you guys have seen it, the adults were all talking about their childhood and how awesome it was. They'd go out and build forts and build tree houses and go hunt and fish. And the girls talked about getting to go on trips with their dads and be outside playing in the yard and and just all these memories of going to the farm and all the different memories that people had growing up. And it was usually like a daughter, like a 35-year-old daughter with her dad, and they're talking about growing up and what it was like. And then they interview the woman's son, who's probably like 8 or 10 or, not, or, or 11 years old. And they said, tell me about your childhood and what's your favorite thing to do? I love to play video games. Really? Well, okay, how often do you play video games? Oh, every day. So, oh, four, five, six hours. Well, do you ever go outside? Oh, sometimes for a little bit. What else do you like to do? I love to watch TV. I love to get on the internet. Every kid they interviewed started talking about their lifestyle. And they went back to the parent and the grandparent, and you should have seen their faces. It was like, they're just mouths, hands over their mouth. Like, what's happening to a generation? That's right here. It's right here. Take out your cell phone. <laughs> no, don't. Open your camera app. Open your camera app. Now, Hold it up and look around with it. What do you see? Yeah? Cody's smiling face. You see people, right? Okay, now flip the screen around. Flip it around. What do you see? What do you see? You see a selfie. We're the first generation in 6,000 something years to have a selfie stick. <laughs> we have reversible cameras. Do you think anybody in any previous generation with cameras ever even thought about turning the lens around? Yeah, let's, let's turn it from this beautiful world like Ansel Adams. I can just imagine Ansel Adams out there, beautiful black and whites of mountains and trees that are up in homes all over the world. I can just imagine him when nobody's looking. Ha, ha, ha. And he turns it around and starts clicking selfies. Why? Because through the, through the right end of the lens, you see a whole world. You see, you might even, if you're on a farm, see a harvest field. But if you flip that camera around, what do you see? I love what Bill Johnson said. I said it last time. There's no, nobody ever went into their own soul 
and looked around and came out encouraged. <laughs> Have you ever? Ever? No. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 3, verse 1. You may just have to turn over a page. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly or carnal or soulish. Mere infants in Christ. If you want to be a, a baby Christian the rest of your life, just keep living from your soul. But if you want to grow up, begin to live from your spirit. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly, for since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? We have that expectation of leaders, but sometimes we don't even put that expectation on us. We think it's just for leaders, but somehow we because we're normal people who don't have to be on a stage, we can do whatever we want. Arnie said this pre-service. You can have as much of you want as you want. You can have as much of this as you want. The table's spread and you belly up and eat all day long. Luke 2, 51 through 52. Look at Luke 2, 51 through 52. I want to buzz through a few more scriptures. We'll close. And then we'll wrap it up. He went down to Nazareth with them. This is talking about Jesus when he was a boy. He was 12. It says he was obedient to them, his parents. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. We don't have time to go into the story. But it says this. Jesus grew in wisdom and and stature, and in favor with God and man. Luke chapter 1, verse 80. This is like Bible drill. Luke chapter 1, verse 80. This is talking about John the Baptist. And the child grew and became strong in what? Spirit. Not strong in soul, not strong in his body. He became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Now turn back to the Old Testament towards the beginning, 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel is 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Samuel, right before Joshua. Not, not right before Joshua, hello. Right after Joshua. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. He grew up in what? The spirit. He grew up in the presence, which is the spirit of God. 1 Samuel 3.1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. What's that? That's submission to authority. That's what Jesus grew in with his parents, submission to authority. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. But God was about to change all that through Samuel. If you have kids, little kids, I know a lot of you have adult children, but if you have little kids, 
I'm going to say from 10, 12 years old and younger, stand up. 10, 12 years and younger. Listen, you may not have got all this right, and you may not be getting it right right now in your own life, but you got a chance to break it for your kids. What did God, how did God intend all this to work? You cannot engage the harvest from your soul. You cannot engage the battle that is coming from your soul. You'll freak out and you'll run. And you know what? You'll give up your witness for Jesus. If your heart has fear in it, you're going to run. You will have to live by the spirit and then you'll have a blast. Moms and dads, you have a shot at teaching your sons and daughters how to grow up in the spirit. You are the governor of what God has entrusted you with until you have to give them back to him. It is a sober responsibility to have sons and daughters in this generation. We're raising Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, Daniel, Joseph, That's who we're raising up. Arrows that can go out in a perverse and godless generation, living from their soul, living from their flesh. But God wants to send out flaming arrows that are led by the Spirit. And who like David when they face Goliath? And Goliath says, I come at you with javelin and spear and I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed you the birds. David did not run from Goliath because he was stronger in the natural. He said, I killed a lion and a bear and I'm going to take your head off because I meet you in the name of the Lord. David was strong in his spirit. He did not rely on natural weapons. He didn't rely on a smart argument. He simply said, Goliath, you're going down because God is with me. And he knew what it was like to rip a a bear's beard out and beat it with a club. He knew what it was like to kill a lion with a, a slingshot. He was filled with the spirit of might. The day that Samuel anointed him, it says the Holy Spirit came upon him in might. That same Holy Spirit is the exact same Holy Spirit that wants to come upon your children. But you know what? They have to grow up under you. They have to minister to the Lord. They have to be filled with the Word of God. Read read the Bible, even the picture Bible to your kids at night. Fill them with the Word of God. Let them get familiar with the character of God so that when He speaks, they'll know His voice. That sounds like the God of the Bible that I've been reading. And when a stranger speaks, they'll go, that doesn't sound like God. My parents have been reading about God, and that doesn't sound merciful or gracious or redemptive. That doesn't sound true. It's up to you to put it into them. And you to do that have to walk by the Spirit. You have to lay down the IV. Parents, I'm, I'm saying this as a charge to you because what you are producing is the, is the life of this family. It's the next generation. It's, it's right now. It's happening. And you're reversing the tide of curse in your family. Some of you are tide turners. You're a first generation tide turner. And the Father is with you to help you. You won't do it perfect. Just say you're sorry and keep moving. Stretch your hand towards the parents right now. Father, I thank you for these moms and dads. I thank you for the single moms and the single dads who are raising sons and daughters in a home depending on you to be the other spouse. Father, I thank you for the courage to wake up every day 
and walk in the spirit and not look at the natural, not look at the refrigerator or the cupboard, not look at the checkbook and become fearful, not look at a storm that's coming and become fearful. Oh God, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that allows us to win in the spirit so that our neighbors will see joy on our faces, so that our kids in difficulty will see joy on our faces. And when we get squeezed as moms and dads, Father, I pray that orange juice will come out. God, I pray that that faith will come out. We would not run from a battle, but we would run right into into the heart of it and show our kids how to fight with faith, how to believe God for food, how to believe God for increase, how to believe God for a job. Baby, here's how you believe God for a new car. I know our car just broke down, but we're going to ask God and you watch what he does. You are a living parable to your kids right now. So Father, I thank you. Fill these parents with the Holy Spirit. God, I ask for a fresh touch and impartation right now of grace to parent by the Spirit. God, I ask for a fresh grace and a touch to invest wisdom into sons and daughters and to love them to repent, show them how to be repentant when they blow it. It's okay, dad. It's okay when you lose your temper. It's okay, go back to him and say, hey, buddy, I was wrong. I blew it. And you know what? He's gonna know how to repent. He gets a life-size example of a repentant heart. Good job, dad. The only way you can lose that one is to stiffen up in pride and walk on because he'll carry that scar, he'll carry that wound for the rest of his life. But if you'll just repent, then the daddy God will put his salve on that thing and it's okay. The rest of you guys, go ahead and stand up. Here's what we're gonna do. Close your eyes and I'm gonna give, we're gonna take one minute. What are we talking about? Engaging the culture. The whole point here is getting healthy as a body so that we can engage the culture the right way. We engage in the soul. We engage from our souls. We're dead in the water. We engage from the natural realm. We're dead in the water. We're not going to win. We're not going to win the harvest. We won't even see the harvest. But if we engage by the spirit of God, we will win souls. We'll be wise sons and daughters. We'll win our generation. We'll be an open door straight into the kingdom for our coworkers, our bosses, our kids, our enemies, the people on the mission field when we go, we'll be an open door to the kingdom. Our faith was made for adversity. Your faith was made for pressure. It was made to achieve. It was made to obtain. It was designed by God to multiply under pressure. Don't run away from it, run to it and watch what God will do for you. Watch what he'll do for his own name. Watch what he'll do to make Jesus famous through your circumstances. Do not shrink back in fear. Do not lay aside the confidence that our Father has given you. What I want you to do right now is close your eyes and I want to take one minute to listen. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to show many of you what the IV has been, what has been feeding your soul and keeping you from investing in the Spirit. It's been keeping you from receiving and growing in your spirit. Father, God, I ask you right now to open hearts and minds to see what they cannot see, to understand what they've not been able to understand. Just ask him right now. Say, Father, show me 
Whatever I need to see that's getting in the way of love, whatever I need to see that's getting in the way of growing in the spirit, just ask him. He's going to tell you. How many of you feel like the Father nudged your heart or he showed you a picture or he showed you something that needs to be surrendered, something you need to let go of? How many of you raise your hand if, if the Father showed you something you need to let go? All right. Listen, sometimes the thing is not a bad thing in and of itself, but it's, it's gotten a priority in your heart and my heart that it doesn't deserve and it's distracting. And the Father wants us to lay it down for a season so that it will not master our hearts, but that later when he reintroduces it, we can master it. He's got to unentangle it from our hearts and set it to the side so that we can come back to it later. It's not a bad thing necessarily. It might be, but it might be a good thing that's actually taking the place of living in the spirit and growing in the spirit. You guys, are you guys getting this? Okay. Father, I thank you right now for the presence of the Holy Spirit that goes with us out of this room with as much power as we've had tonight and as much love as we've seen tonight. Your Holy Spirit is ever present. You're a help in a time of trouble. You're supply for every need. You're a solution for every problem. God, you want to demonstrate through us in the world around us your glory, your kindness, your patience, your forgiveness, your solutions. Father, I thank you for the anointing to go into the marketplace and be a light and be salt. I thank you for an anointing to be right here at Pihop and be salt and be light, even to Christians who still don't know you. God, we just surrender. We submit. We surrender to you. Father, I ask you to do what you do best, and that is draw and woo every heart. We were made to respond to you. We were made to respond to your wooing, to your pulling. So, Father, right now, we just thank you for your love. We thank you that we don't have to earn your favor or earn your love or earn your provision. We get to sit at the table with you and receive from you and give away what we have freely received. Father, I pray for fresh identity to be cemented in this week. That even in the next few weeks as Pastor Arnie continues to build, I just pray identity would become solid in this season for this family. That there would not be a single person in this room who would not know if they want to that they're a son or a daughter, not in their head, but in their spirit. Father, release sonship like never before. God, let there be no question mark over any head. There's some of you here have even questioned your own salvation. The enemy has so played with you. And it's time for that to be done. 
But Father, I thank you for the stamp of sonship. That it's not based on what we do or don't do. It's based on it is finished. It's based on the perfect blood of Jesus. Father, open our eyes to the harvest because it's white. It's all around us. Open our eyes to the conversations that need to happen. Give us courage to speak out even the little that we have and follow the trail to life. In Jesus' name. You guys, the Lord be with you, bless you, keep you, make his face shine all over you, all over your family, all over your week. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week. Have a good night.